this summer, as you know, or if it's your first time, you don't know, and that's all right, you'll find out in about two seconds. But this summer, we have been um, going through talking about what is true life. The name of the church is True Life, and what, what does that mean? What is that about? And so we've been kind of talking about, there's really three, I, three big ideas that comprise that. The first is the idea that God wants us to have a relationship with him, to enter into relationship with the true Jesus, to know and love Jesus for who he really is, not just morality, not just uh, some distant God, but who is God as he is revealed in Jesus, and that God wants us to know the true Jesus. And so that's kind of the first four sermons that we talked about in this, and if you weren't able to, to hear those or be around for those, I'd encourage you to go onto our website and listen to those. And then the next thing that we talked about is that God doesn't just want us to know him, but he wants us to really know one another and to be in relationship with one another, to experience true community. And that's a huge part of why we exist as a church, of why we started the church, of why, in fact, a church is what it is. That a church is the people of God coming together to say, let's be a community that has been formed around the fact that we have been saved by Jesus. And then how does that affect all of our relationships? So we've talked about true Jesus and true community, and then tonight we begin the next four weeks talking about true purpose. True purpose. So what's the purpose of life? I mean, what's the purpose of life? That's a question that a lot of people have, that a lot of people think about. What is my purpose? What is our purpose? I mean, this is a question that, that many, many people wonder about. What, what is my life's purpose? What, I mean, we do all these things with our time and with our life, right? And we have jobs, and we have families, and we have school, and, and we have hobbies and things that we do. I mean, if you just think about even your last week, what was the purpose of that week? Or your last year, what was the purpose of that year? Sometimes we don't think about purpose at all. We're just kind of in the grind and doing things and going and going and going, but... But many times we step back and think, man, what, is, what am I even doing here? What's the purpose of my life? What is this even about? Is it just meaningless? Or is there a purpose? And a lot of that depends upon how you view the world. That if you don't, if you don't believe in God, or maybe even, even if you do believe in God, but you believe in a God that is distant or just uninvolved in the world, then purpose is really just whatever you make it to be. There is no such thing as some sort of grand purpose. It's just be happy. There isn't some sort of purpose that you're supposed to conform your life to. It's just, man, make your own meaning. Make your own purpose. Do whatever makes you happy. And that's a very strong cultural narrative is do whatever makes you happy. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, just do what makes you happy, right? But if there is an actual purpose, if God actually exists and there is an actual purpose that he has for the world, then that changes how we view what our purpose is individually and what our purpose is collectively. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God does have a purpose and that we are supposed to go, what is God's purpose and then how does that define what my purpose is? And so here's, here's the difference between these things. If, if there is no purpose, then it's just do whatever makes you happy. And that's kind of like improv. Um, if you ever have been to an improv theater or something like that, everybody's just on the stage doing whatever they want, right? The, the purpose is just be happy and do what you want, and if other people enjoy it, then great. But then there's also maybe some of you like to go to the theater, or um, my wife and I maybe a month ago or six weeks ago saw Wicked, great play, and 
There's a purpose, right? There's an act, the actors aren't just up there doing whatever they want. If they were, we would have wanted our money back because we would have said, wait a minute, I thought we came to see what this writer, what this director had a purpose in conveying. Here's a story, and all the actors are conforming to that story, right? So if you think about what is my purpose, what is our purpose, there's really two ways to think about that. One is just make it whatever you want, and that's kind of like improv. But one is, man, if there's a God, and he's actually written a story, and we actually have a part to play in it, then what that means is the most joy will be found in actually playing our part in the story, of actually being a part, being the character that we are in the story, versus just some random guy on stage going, well, I kind of want to do this, and I kind of want to do that. And the people in the audience going, this is a weird play. I thought, I thought this was thought this is wicked. So what is our purpose? And to understand our purpose, we have to see what does the Bible describe as what God's purpose is. What is God's purpose in the world? What is God doing in the world? Because our purpose will be defined by what his purpose is. Just like in a play, the, the character's purpose is defined by what the author's purpose is. So what is God doing in the world? What is God's purpose? What is God up to? And so, I, you know, we've talked about this before, and if you've read the Bible or um, been around church, you, you know some of the origin story of humanity and, and what God is doing. But let me just kind of give a recap, because to understand what God is doing in the world, we have to understand the whole purpose of why he made the world and then what went wrong with the world and all of that. And so let me just kind of recap some of that. And so here's what the Bible describes. In the very first book of the Bible, called Genesis, it says that God made the world. That God made the world because he's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a giving God. From him flows life. And so he made the world. And what it says in the very first chapter is that God makes the world. And it says that when he's done making it, God saw all that he had made and said, it is good. If you've ever made something and then taken a photo of it, because you said, it is good. And I want other people to see it. That's what God did. He made the world, and he said, it is good. It's good. I created it, and it is good. And it says he makes man and woman, and he makes them in his own image, meaning we are made to reflect what God is like. And it says he made them, and he blessed them. So far, so good, right? But that was chapter 1 and chapter 2. And then chapter 3 doesn't take long, right? Just like in our lives, it doesn't take long for things to go bad, Chapter 3, what happens is that man and woman, Adam and Eve, they say, we don't want to experience God's blessing. We want to create our own blessing. We don't want to live with God as the king, as the creator. We would rather be like a king and a creator. So let me say something. This is what the Bible describes as sin. The core of sin so if you've heard of sin, and I know some of you are Christians and maybe some of you are not, sin is when we say, I want to be the king instead of God. And a bunch of other things flow from that, but that's the core of sin. God makes Adam and Eve, and he blesses them, and he says, live and enjoy life with me. And they say, instead of living under God, we would rather be like God. That's what we do, right? Instead of saying, what does God want for me? How how can I live my life under God? We say, I would rather be God. That's the core of sin. The core of sin is us saying, 
I don't want to live under a king. I want to be the king. I don't want to live under God. I want to be like God. I don't trust that what he says is good. I think I can find goodness on my own. He says, I create you and you're blessed, but I think there's probably something more blessed over here. I mean, do you not recognize this in your heart? That's the core. The core is God says you can experience joy and life and I love you and I want good for you. So live with me as king. And we say, I bet I can get something better over here. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They were tempted by Satan to say you can be like God. God's holding out on you. God doesn't want good for you. God is lying to you. There's something else better over here. So this is what went wrong in the world. And then what the Bible teaches us is that because of that, everything breaks. When our relationship with God breaks, everything else breaks. So we break internally. We've got identity issues. We experience shame. We experience anxiety. We experience fear. We break. And then our relationships break. So with Adam and Eve, they begin to turn on one another and blame one another and hide from one another. And then after them, their children do the same thing and their children's children do the same thing and their great, 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 great grandchildren, you and I do the same thing. And our relationships are broken. God created humanity to enjoy one another and love one another and instead we turn against one another and we mistreat one another and we pretend with one another. And we blame one another. So we are broken and our relationships are broken. And the way we treat creation is broken. Instead of enjoying this great gift that God has given us, we say, how can we, get, how can we abuse it? How can we just use it for ourselves instead of taking care of it? Which is one of the original commands that God gave. So our relationships with one another, with creation, internally whole nations and civilizations, it's all broken because it first broke with God. Now look, you might not agree that that's why things happened, but you agree with the fact that our relationships are broken and we're broken and the way we treat creation is broken. I mean, everybody agrees with that. You, you agree with the effects even if you don't agree with the origin. But this is what the Bible describes took place. That our relationship with God broke. We said we would rather be God. We, would, we don't trust that you are good. We want to do our own thing. So that's Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning. So what is God doing in the world? What's he going to do about that? And here's what happens. In Genesis chapter 12, between Genesis 3 and Genesis 12, it's just a story of a bunch of brokenness taking place. Genesis chapter 12, God shows up and says to a man named Abraham, I'm going to fix this. So he shows up in chapter 12 and he grabs Abraham, who's a nobody. He's not a good guy. He's not someone that was loving God with all of his heart or anything like that. It's just a random dude, which is what the Bible describes all the time. God grabs random nobodies and says, I'm going to love you. So if you're a random nobody, welcome. God loves you. And here's what he does. He grabs Abraham and he says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, he later changes his name to Abraham because those couple letters 
you know, who, who doesn't want more letters in their name? Now the Lord, there's more to it than that, but he says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So leave everything you know and go to some place that I'm going to tell you about. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so in Genesis 1, it says God makes Adam and Eve and he blessed them. But then everything is broken and everything is going wrong and you and I are broken internally, socially, civilizationally. And with God, Ali, okay, <laughs> we're all broken, Ali, okay? So, and what happens is God shows up in chapter 12 and says, I'm going to fix it. I've got a plan to fix this. And he grabs a random dude and he says, Abram, through you, I'm going to create a community of blessing that will create communities of blessing and blessing in the whole world will be blessed. That everything that's been broken, instead there will be blessing. And blessing is a big word that means all of that. That God will restore all that's been broken. All the causes of it, or the cause of it, between us and God, and all the effects of it that we see. God says, I'm going to fix it. The whole world will be blessed. So then here's what happens in the very last, or, or um, actually... Let me say this first. Paul, who wrote most of the letters to the churches in the New Testament that we read, he writes to the church in Galatia, an ancient city, and says this, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, all the nations, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So here's what he says. What God said to Abraham was the gospel, the good news, a word we talk about a lot. That what God said to Abraham, that all the nations would be blessed, that was the gospel. It was kind of like the first picture of it. That God would bless the world, that he would fix it that he would do his original intention was for creation and for humanity to experience this state of blessing and peace and wholeness. And Paul tells us, thousands of years later, Paul tells us that was the gospel. That was the original kind of good news. We'll come back to that. But I want you just to see that Paul's saying this was kind of God's plan all along. Now, In Revelation 22, which is the last chapter of the whole Bible, so if you turn, you don't have to do that, but if you turn to the very end of your Bible, Revelation 22, that's the last chapter. And it tells us kind of what the end of history is going to be. And here's what it says. Then the angel, so this is a man named John, is writing this book, and he's saying that God, through an angel, is speaking to him. And he says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, that's Jesus. Jesus is also called the Lamb at different times, through the middle of the street of the city. So flowing from God comes life, just like in Genesis. 
on either side of the river, the tree, and on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Remember that God tells Abraham, all the nations will be blessed through you. And no longer will there be anything accursed. So all from sin. It won't be there anymore. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. So here's the very end of history. And it's the fulfillment of what God told Abraham. All the nations in the world will be blessed. They will find life. This is the end picture. The very last of what God tells us the end of history is going to be. That God will be dwelling with his people. That life and blessing will be flowing from him to all nations. And there won't even be a need for the light from lamps or from sun because God's glory will be so, I mean, it'll just be filling. Which is great because I don't like the sun. So no need of lamp or sun or sunscreen for God will be their light. And I don't think we need God's screen. The leaf, <laughs> that's just my opinion. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed See, the world we live in now has marks of a curse, right? Everything is broken. But in Revelation 22, we see the very end that God's promise to Abraham is completed. So this is God's mission. This is what God, what is God doing in the world? Well, in the very beginning, he says, I'm going to bring blessing to all the nations through you, Abraham. And then when you get to the very end, you see, oh, it happened. And in between, that's what God's up to in the world. And today, that's what God is up to in the world. is to bring about blessing to all the nations. To destroy the cause, which was us saying, God, I don't want you. And all the effects. That that's what God is doing. That's the good news. That we don't worship God. That we don't enjoy God. That we don't love God. And so everything breaks. But that God wants to heal that, to fix that, to change that. And thus all the other things will change along with it. But then here's the question. How's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? And when God grabbed Abraham and he said, through you will come a people, which became the people of Israel, the Jewish people, through you will come a people and they will be a blessing to all the nations. But here's what happened. Over and over again, they turned away from God. And over and over again, they worshipped other gods. And over and over again, they did the same thing. And so if that's the project, that through Abraham, this one family will grow a family, and this nation will be a blessing to all nations, if that was the plan, but it kept failing over and over and over again, how would it be that all the nations would be blessed, that, all, that this would actually take place? How would that actually come about? And what we see is that the answer is, Jesus, and here's what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ 
with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, so that God says, I bring you into this family of blessing. I will bless you in Jesus. The way I fulfill my promise to Abraham of creating a people that are a blessing is that in Jesus, anybody attached to Jesus gets that blessing, gets brought into my family a blessing. So he adopts us as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, I know that's a lot, but this is filling out what God said he would do with Abraham. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and through you, I will create a people through which all the nations will be blessed. We see that happen in Revelation. All the nations are blessed. How does it actually happen? Jesus. That Jesus comes and all who are in him are adopted into God's family of blessing. The forgiveness of their sins happens because Jesus on the cross took it on himself through his blood. And then we have the blessing of being in relationship with him and all of the brokenness beginning to receive healing. This was his plan all along. Jesus. The way he fulfills his promise to Abraham is Jesus. This is the gospel that he first told to Abraham and that now he's saying right here and that Jesus announced himself. So what is God doing in the world? What's God's purpose in the world? God's purpose is to bless, to restore all the brokenness that you and I feel. So where do you feel brokenness internally? Where do you feel brokenness in your relationships? Where do you feel brokenness even with the world around you? God's purpose is to bless. Not just us, but the whole world. All the nations. That's what God is up to in the world. That's, listen, that's God's heart for you. God's heart for you. God is a good God. God is a good God and what his heart is for you is for you to experience blessing. For you to experience your life with all the effects of sin restored. And all the causes of sin, our separation from him, restored. That's what God's heart is for us. As a people, for you individually, and for the whole world. That's what God is up to. That's what he's doing. And the way that he brings that about is Jesus. But then we have to ask this. What's God's plan to bring this about? What's God's plan to bring about the fact that everything will be restored in Jesus? So God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And through you, there will be a people of blessing through which all the world will be blessed. And then we find out later, the plan to do that, the way he fulfills that promise, 
is that Jesus comes and then opens up the door so that everyone can be blessed that comes to him. But what's his plan to get us to Jesus? What's his plan, therefore, to bring about all this blessing that comes through Jesus? And what the Bible says is that we are his strategy. That you are his strategy. The way God brings us about is through his people. That God will bless the world. That God will bless our city. That God will bless your neighbors and people that you're around and the people that you work with, that God's plan to bring blessing to the world is through creating a people that's a people of blessing. Now look, this is the same thing that he said to Abraham, right? What he said to Abraham was, I'm going to bless you, and then through you there will be a community of blessing that blesses the whole world. This is what he told Abraham, but the same is now true for us as God's people. Here's what Paul says. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So all the nations, all different kinds of people, all different genders, all different statuses, they're all able to receive the blessing in Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So the promise that God gave to Abraham, he says, that's yours if you're in Christ. The promise that God gave to Abraham to bless him and to create through him a community of blessing that would bless the world, that promise is yours when you're in Jesus. When you've come to Jesus, that promise becomes yours. So, but... Here's what this means. If that promise is ours, then that calling is ours too. Because what God told Abraham is, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that the whole world would be blessed. I'm going to bless you so that you create a family of blessing and then the whole world is blessed. So if the promise of Abraham is ours, the calling of Abraham is ours. Does that make sense? Here's how, here's how uh, Jesus says it to his disciples. He says this right before Jesus leaves, after he dies and resurrects, and then he leaves. This is what he tells his disciples. And look how similar this is to what God told Abraham. Jesus came and said to them, to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, just as God told Abraham, go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what Jesus tells his disciples is this. Go, what God told Abraham, go to all the nations, to all the nations. And make baptize people, which is bring people into a community where they know Jesus and experience his blessing. It's the same thing he told Abraham. It's the same thing Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and do until the very end of the age when we see in Revelation that all of that is completed and all the nations are there with God. So, if I, so this may be for you like a little heady or a little theological because we're kind of bouncing all over the place in the Bible. This is the normal place that I would start, but I wanted to show how this is God's plan from the very, very beginning. That's what the Bible writers want us to see, is that this is what God's... This is, so when the church got started, 
Not this church, but the church. And we read about that in the book of Acts. It kind of shows what happens after Jesus tells his disciples to do this. It wasn't some new idea. It wasn't like, hey, I've got an idea, guys. Go tell everybody in the world. Go to all the world and maybe the whole world can come to know me. Maybe the whole world can experience life with me. That wasn't some new plan. That's what God promised all along. That's what God has been doing. That's what God is up to in this world because God's heart is that we would experience blessing, life with him, with the effects of the brokenness cured and with the cause of the brokenness, our our messed up relationship with God cured. This is what God has always been up to. It's what he's always been doing. And so what is God's strategy to bring about all nations being blessed in Jesus? It's you and I. It's us. We are God's strategy. God's strategy with Abraham was to create a community of blessing so that the world would be blessed. And Jesus' strategy in starting the church was to create a community of blessing so that the world would be blessed. So, What's the purpose of a church? And when you think about, man, what, what is the purpose of a church? Why did Jesus get this whole thing rolling? Why did we get this whole thing rolling? What's the purpose of a church? And many people would say, well, the purpose of a church is to receive teaching. I just want to understand more. Or many people would say the purpose of a church is community. It's that we can all kind of have some friends to hang out with. Or many people would say the purpose of a church is for me to grow personally. And all of those things are good. And we're about all those things. But what God says the purpose of a church is, is to be a community of blessing so that the world around is blessed. That we are God's strategy for the world, for the nations to be blessed in knowing Jesus, in being connected to Jesus, and having sin, the cause, the effects, healed. That was always God's plan, and it still is God's plan, to create a community of blessing. We are God's strategy for doing that in the world. That's the purpose of a church. That's the purpose of our church. And you have to ask yourself, is that what you're about? I mean, is, that, is, is your own life's purpose, if you're, a, if you're not a Christian, then that's totally okay? And I would invite you to come to, know, to come to be blessed by Jesus. But if you are a Christian, is the way you view the purpose of your life, I'm, I'm here because I've been blessed by God and now I can be a blessing to others. Is that, is that how you view the purpose of your life? Is that how you view the focus of your life? Is that how you view the church? Or do you view the church more as it's a place I come to be blessed? which it is, you're blessed, but to be a blessing. Just like Abraham, we are blessed to be a blessing because that's God's heart for everybody. Is that how you view your life or are you just content to receive blessing? God didn't go to Abraham and say, I bless you, enjoy it. He said, I bless you to be a blessing. And we 
as offspring, as children of Abraham, like Paul says, are blessed to be a blessing. Is that how you view your life? Is that how you view what the church is? See, many churches are not about this. My point isn't to speak bad about other churches, but I just know that our tendency so often as human beings and as churches is to say, let's make this about us. So you go on churches' websites and you look and there's all these lists of programs that are about us. Things for men, things for women, things for children, things for teenagers, things for, things for adults, things for little ones, things for, things for singles, things for marrieds, about us, 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 instead of we are blessed to be a blessing. And the purpose of why God brings the church together is say, you are a community to be a blessing. I bless you. I save you to be a blessing. That's the purpose of our lives. What God does in us, he always wants to do through us. So sometimes we um, say something like this, and this is true, but it's not the full story. Sometimes we say the church has a mission. But author, theologian, his name is Christopher Wright. He says this, and I think this is what the Bible says. It's not so much that the church has a mission, is that God's mission, God's purpose has a church. See, because God's mission is to bring about blessing, part of his strategy is a church, a community of blessing. It's not just that we have some sort of mission, it's that God has a mission and because he has a mission to bring about blessing, he created a church. He created a church, a community of blessing to be a blessing. This is what God is up to in the world, and this is how God brings about his plan. We are God's strategy. God doesn't work through magic. And what I mean by that is God doesn't say, I want to bless the whole world, and so, whew, blessing dust. That's just not what he does. He says, I want to bless the whole world, so I grab Abraham, some, some random nobody, and say, through you, blessing will come. Through you, a family of blessing will be created. And then Jesus is ultimately the way that that gets answered because all of us become family in Jesus, and so we become God's strategy to be a blessing to this world, to connect people to Jesus, and to see everything healed that has been broken. So last question is this, so what do we do? So if we're God's strategy, if what God's up to in this world is bringing about blessing, and we are God's strategy, a community of blessing is what God's strategy is, what does that actually look like? What do we do? What's, I mean, how, okay, so let's do it. Let's be a community of blessing. What do we do? And let me give you a few things. The first thing is just this. Begin to see that that's true. Do you accept that? That's the first place to start. How much of our lives is about getting blessed? I want a better job. I want more fulfillment in my career. I want more friends. I want to grow. I want to receive teaching. I want to have a good vacation. I want to have good retirement. I want to have more money. I want to have more satisfaction. I want to eat better food. I want to... I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm saying how much of our life is focused on, I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed, what can I do to be blessed, what can I do to get blessed? Instead of, 
beginning to ask the question. What do we do? Beginning to ask the question, how can I be a blessing? That's just the starting point, okay? How can I be a blessing? Let's refocus our lives. To begin asking that question, how can I be a blessing? Not to the nations, but just starting with whoever lives next to you. As in, if you're married, your spouse, and then your kids, and then your neighbor, and then our community, or your roommate. Just starting with, how can I, I mean, is that the question that is going through your mind? Because I know the question going through our mind all the time is, how can I get blessed? But what if that was just our framework? Man, God's blessed me, so how can I be a blessing? And just beginning to ask that question as the focus of our lives, but just tomorrow. How can I be a blessing? Do you you accept that God's strategy to bless the world is you? Is us, a community of blessing? That's, That's just the first thing. Begin to ask that. The second thing is this, and this is something that I try to talk about often, but what what this implies in the very nature of it, if God's intention is to bless a people so that they, so that all the nations are blessed, what that says is that God's going to keep bringing people into the community of blessing. The very heart of the gospel is that God includes people. Is that your heart? Is your heart, I want to see more and more people included in the community of blessing. Because if it's not, what happens is, again, we say, I'm so glad that I've been blessed. Let's put walls around this great blessing. So that no blessing juice will leak. And we can just keep all the blessing here. And if we open it up, some blessing might get out. So we got to just keep it closed off to us. That's not what God's, that's not God's heart. God's heart is that everybody is blessed. And so what it means is God wants a community that is inclusive, that is bringing people in so that more people are blessed. But our heart resists that when we say, I like things how they are. I like the relationships I have. I don't want anyone messing with that. And finally, the way that we become a community of blessing that is a blessing, the way that we do that is that we have to walk in God's ways. We have to obey him. And that's all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. But listen, the way that we become a community of blessing is we walk in God's ways, not trying to do our own thing. The only way to become a community that is a community of blessing so that it can be a blessing to the world around it is to say, okay, God, so tell us how to do that. Let's walk in your ways, not just our ways. Here's how God said this to Abraham. Just a few chapters later, we saw God talking to Abraham in chapter 12. Here's chapter 18. The Lord said, God's about to do something here, and he's kind of talking to himself. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now listen to what he says. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord 
by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. So God says the way that Abraham becomes a community of blessing is by teaching his children and then after them, their children, to walk in God's way. The only way to be a community of blessing is if we walk in God's way. There's no other way. Here's how Jesus said it. Oh, wait, that's not how Jesus said it. That's how Peter said it, but I'll go back to that. But what I want to say is this first. When Jesus told the disciples, go into all the world, just like he told Abraham, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, so bringing them into a community of blessing, then the end of it was this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. So Jesus said, go into all the world, go to the nations, preach the gospel, the good news that God wants to bless them in me, in Jesus, and then teach them to obey everything that I've told them. Because that's how a community of blessing is made. We can't have a community of blessing if we're not living in God's rhythms and in his ways. Every command that God gives flows out of his character. So God doesn't just create random things. God says, I'm a good God and I want good for you. And I made life and I know how life is supposed to be. And so I want you to walk in my ways so that you experience the blessing that I have for you. Here's part of how Peter says this in his letter to the churches. He says, you are, and listen to the same language, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So we, the people in Jesus, are now this nation. A people for his own possession, that we belong to God. That that, okay, so you, you are a people for his own possession, that, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, that just means this world is not your ultimate home, to abstain, so here's the obedience, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, among the nations, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation, when, when Jesus returns. So what he's saying is this. God calls you a people. He makes you a nation. He calls you his own. He gives you mercy. And now that you've received that, be a blessing through obedience. Through walking in God's ways, by living. So, whatever God has done to us, we do to others. Whatever God wants done for others, we do to others. Because God wants to love and serve other people, and He uses us. And the only way we can do that is by saying, Okay, God, so tell me how to live my life. There's no community of blessing without a community of obedience. Because obedience isn't just arbitrary. It's God saying, I made life and I made you. And I want good for you, so here's how to live. Not just for your own conscious, conscience. Not just for your own conscience. But that you would be a person that's a person of blessing to others around you. 
You know, God doesn't tell you be a loving person just so you feel good about yourself, but then it creates a community of blessing to others around you, right? So we reflect his character when we obey. We walk in his ways, showing what he's like to other people. That obedience is never just about being a moral person. It's also about God's purposes in the world. And this is part of how we draw people to see how good God is. If, if we're supposed to be a community of blessing and yet none of us walk in God's ways, no one's going to go, wow, God must be really good. They're going to go, whoa, that's messed up. Here's how Jesus says it. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says, I've made you light to show the world what I'm like, to show the world how good God is, that you are a city. Listen, church. You are a city. You are a city meant to show how good God is. You are a city. So, you know, I mean, I don't know where you're from, but I know where some of you are from. But there's cities like Denver that you come into and go, wow, this is a cool city. There's other cities you go to and go, okay, got to get gas and get out of here. Right? Jesus says he wants us to be the kind of city that people go, wow, this is a cool city. And really say, wow, this must be a cool God that he would make this city. And that the way that that happens is we obey God. We walk in his ways. And then we reflect what he's like through that. God wants to bless the world. He wants the whole world to know how good he is. He wants all the effects of sin to be overturned. He wants the cause of all the problems, our distance with him to be overturned. He wants people to know how good Jesus is. And we are his strategy for that to happen. We are God's strategy to bring about blessing to the world in Jesus. So we live our lives in ways that are walking in God's ways, not just to feel good about ourselves, but so that the world would be blessed, so that the world would know Jesus. So, what are we here for? What's our purpose? As we begin talking about true purpose, this is the theological background that I wanted us to understand and to set up. What is our purpose as an individual and as a church? What's our purpose? Our purpose is to be a part of God's purposes. Our purpose is to be a part of God's purposes, which is to bless the world in Jesus, and overturning all that sin has done. God's a good God. Do you, mean, do you see how amazing that is, that God's mission is to bless? I mean, if you know a human being like that, you go, wow, that's a pretty cool human. If they're just, whole life is, I want to bless people. But that's God's heart. God's mission, what God's up to in the world is, I want to bless. I want to heal what's broken in your relationships, in you internally, in the world itself. That's God's mission because he's a good God. And he is such a good God 
that that's not just his mission, but that he says, I invite you into it to be a part of it with me. Have you ever been invited to a cool project that someone was working on? Someone's doing something cool, and then they say, hey, I want you to help me with it. And you go, really? I get to be a part of that? Or maybe, have you ever not been invited to be a part of something cool? And you went, man, I wanted to be a part of that. God says, I've got this huge purpose in the world to bless. And I invite you to be a part of it. That's your purpose. So when we take communion, we remember how true this is. That God doesn't just speak this, but that God was so committed to blessing the world that he was willing to come to the world in Jesus. And to take all of our sin on the cross. So when we take communion, what we remember is that Jesus says, I want to bless the world. I want to heal the brokenness. And so I'm going to give my life, my blood shed, my body broken on the cross so that you will be forgiven. So that you will be blessed. So that your relationship with God would be put right. And so all the effects of sin in your life would begin to be restored. When we take communion, that's what we remember. So as you come and take communion, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, don't take communion. Just think about these things. But if you're a Christian, as you take communion, remember God is so committed to blessing you, he would give you his own life. And then he calls you into that as a people, which is why we take communion together as a people, to remember God did this for us. And then we give tithes and offerings. And if you're not a Christian, please don't give anything. We want you to receive blessing so that one day you would be a blessing. But as the people of God, we give. I know some of you give online and that's a way you can give too, but we give to be, so we can be, continue to be a community of blessing in this city. And then we sing songs to a good God that has blessed us. And if you're, again, if you're not a Christian, you think singing is weird, that's fine. It's just another way that we say, this is the God that we believe in and how good he is. And so just read the words. You don't have to sing. That's fine. Just read. This is another way that we teach. Okay. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you have blessed us in Jesus. That you have done something about the brokenness in the world. That though we are the ones that broke your world, you're the one that comes in grace to fix it. That though we are the ones that turned away from you, you turn your heart towards us. God, thank you for that. Lord, I pray for this church, for us, that we would both receive the blessing that you've given to us in Jesus, in forgiveness, in community, in all the good things you've done in our lives that we would receive, but only that we would receive so that we could give. Lord, let us be that kind of church that is a community of blessing so that others would be blessed. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would give them the blessing tonight of knowing you for the first time. And that they too then would have a purpose in their life to be a blessing. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.